Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Badass Ladies Club. Thank you for joining us. My name is Jessica Weckerlin. I am, of course, here with my bestie, Laurie Wallace. What's up, y'all? And we want to extend a gratitude and thanks to everyone who has supported us so far on this journey. So please keep it up with sharing and liking and subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join us on Facebook. Join us on Instagram at The Badass Ladies Club. We'll also be on TikTok and YouTube. Check us out at www.badassladiesclub.com. So much good stuff to see everywhere. We've got some merch up. Yeah. Like, so, rate, review. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, rate, review. Give us all the feedback. So let's get into this week's topic, Laurie Wallace. We are talking about being co-dependency queens, oh my gosh. which we have named ourselves. Um, so I'm not going to lie. Today is a lot to unpack. So before we unpack, cheers, uh, cheers to a to great this. week. Indeed. Yes, I'm pretty excited about today's episode. Yes, me too. But before we get started, uh, let's talk about this week's Badass of the Week. Yes, I'm so excited about this week's Badass of the Week. <laughs> so part of the brainchild of Badass of the Week was to start to try and shine a light on people that have really made a big impact on our healing journey. And one of the uh, keynote speakers that I've had the pleasure of listening to twice is a lady named Connie Podesta. Love her. <laughs> She's really awesome. And it's kind of like this weird fangirl moment that uh, we're having talking about Connie because the, you know, Connie works with all kinds of uh, big organizations as a keynote speaker and a motivational speaker. She speaks to a lot of communication challenges or even just like emotional baggage that we carry into situations sometimes that have really cleared up so much in my world. And she has worked with brands like GM Motors and Microsoft. Um, we saw her at William Edge Tribal Forum. Um, she is a really dynamic speaker and a super awesome author. And just a badass lady altogether. So she really is. And I love how she delivers um, such heavy information yeah. with laughter. And that when the two times that we have seen her speak personally, um, I found myself laughing and sobbing <laughs> yes. simultaneously. Uh, Which so is the best kind of healing, I Connie, think. Like, yeah. We would be so incredibly grateful. If you would join us. Honestly, like I want Connie to come on the show just because I know she will lay her Connie smack down on us in a way that we don't even know is coming right, right now. You know, like part of what is so awesome about Connie is that she pushes you and, you know, hits you in a place where you can really expand. And so... Um, I'm equally excited and a little bit terrified uh, that terrified maybe she'll take us sure. up on us. But either way, Connie, your badass box is en route and we want you to come here either virtually or in person so we can talk a little bit more about healing with you um, and you can help us evolve and grow the Badass Ladies Club. So Badass of the Week, Connie Podesta, we'll hear from you soon. So codependency queens. <sighs> okay, let's get into it. Right, let's let's just do it. I'm in. So codependency is not a new term for me. Um, when, you know, I think the first time that I ever heard the term codependent was in an Al-Anon meeting. And I was exposed to Al-Anon at a really young age. And then off and on throughout my life, you know, like I've uh, been exposed to it, gone to meetings, uh, talked to people who are experiencing it for the first time. And um, it was really always geared around this idea of, people in your life who had substance abuse problems in a lot of circumstances and how uh, we enable those behaviors, you know? And so it seemed so specific to that particular, you know, brand of behavior where it was all about um, not enabling people in your lives who had specifically substance problems. And so I always kind of put it in that box with that type of behavior. Um, coming to understand that I am codependent in so many areas of my world that have nothing to do with, uh, substance abuse problems, you know, like they are problems on all levels, which is where, uh, this term of codependency Queens kind of came to light where right. I was like, Oh, I am the queen of codependency. So yeah. Yeah. You know, 
It and I we had mentioned in an earlier episode how I at least grew up with this idea that codependent meant that you were needy and you couldn't be alone. And it was always the poor girl, like I need my boyfriend and my friends and I constantly need people around me when that could be a surface level explanation, like a really easy explanation of what codependency is, but at the root of it, codependency comes in many forms. And one of those forms is I need everyone around me to be okay for me to be okay. Yes. And that if you're not okay, then I'm not okay. So I will do everything in my power to make you comfortable. So I'm not comfortable. I will make myself smaller to make you bigger. I, and you know, you and I, this has been a very recent revelation. So, um, and I know we've been gearing up for this topic. We've been really excited about it. Um, I mean, not that we're like, yay, codependency, but um, just that we are excited to grow from this um, because I feel like it's been such a light bulb moment for the both of us. Well, and, you know, we've talked about awareness, self-awareness a little bit in other Mm -hmm. episodes, but so much of the topics that we're hitting on, they, um, they, they engulf each other. And codependency is one of those things that it doesn't really matter what we're talking about. There's an element of that that's there. So... Um, one way that I had heard codependency explained recently that kind of helped me with this like light bulb moment where I'm like, oh gosh, yeah, I'm doing that is that, yeah, you need other people to be okay. And so we enable other people to not own their own behaviors, consequences, and, or, um, you know, decisions and actions have reactions that come. And I am, the queen of let me get in front of this consequence for you. So it doesn't hurt you so bad. And then I am in turn, the one that is uh, taking the brunt of the impact. Absolutely. Master enabler here. Yeah. Um, I see it in my relationships that I, I, I just, I have this inner need to, protect and that I don't want to see the people who I love, um, get hurt or feel small or feel less than, um, because I want everyone in my life who I love to be empowered. So I make things easy for them Yeah, that I'll do all the hard work. You just stay along for the ride and I got you. I'll strap it on. Right. Get us over the finish. <laughs> That's line. right. right. Yeah. Um, when what I've been learning the past couple years, and this is hard to say, is that I'm robbing them of their growth. Yeah. And that that's unfair, not only to me, but it's unfair to them. It's unfair to their experience. Like, here I am preaching this message of growth and healing. And we, and, but at the same time, I'm like low key enabling poor behavior. Right. And it's all out of love. Like it's the smokescreen that goes up is that you're doing them a favor and then you can pat yourself on the back for being so wonderful and thinking about how you can help them. You know, like it looks like help. But in reality, it's crippling both of the people involved, you know? And as we talked about in boundaries, so then what happens, happens full circle, is that, so here you are enabling someone, you're doing it out of love because you feel like it's the right thing to do. You're wearing that backpack for them. You're making their life easier, making your life harder. And then when you get fed up with the bullshit and you're like, Hey, (laughs) I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. Not like this, that that's when, um, someone may get like, I'm sorry, what you don't want to do all these things for me anymore that make my life so much easier and take all the burden. Like that, then the next light bulb moment is, wow, this person has been benefiting from my lack of boundaries. We talked Mm -hmm. about this in our boundaries episode Mm -hmm. and that, um, that I've trained them yes. to expect that I'm going to take the bullet for them. And when I choose not to take the bullet, then they are upset because mm-hmm. of that, you know, 
only because I have positioned everything to make sure that they depend on me for that. Um, I have a very like mentality of where I like to do the hard work. Um, I enjoy that part of it, you know, but that a lot of that is just a lie that I've built because I like to be appreciated, you know, like, and so filling those needs for people, even if they don't genuinely appreciate it or they don't ever say it or they don't ever show it, I can play that narrative in my head enough to keep me moving forward. But like you said, everybody gets to a breaking point at some point right? where they're like, oh, wait, this is draining my life. This is draining my energy. This isn't serving me. And as soon as you start to draw that boundary, then the codependency question comes up and really rears its head where you know that you can't just blame the person that you've been enabling. You have to take some responsibility for what you did to create this circumstance in the first place. And that guy is, is heavy. It's really heavy. And it can even be done. And I've been thinking about this, even in the simplest, I'm not just talking about personal relationships, you know, in your own personal life. I'm talking like professionally as well, that, um, whenever I'm training a new stylist and they need help with a formula that I've been taught as an educator to say, well, what would you do? What is their starting point? What is your desired level? What that I I'm like, let me just do this for you yeah. because I really don't have the time, space, or energy to like walk you through this situation right now that I'm robbing yeah. <laughs> those people of their growth. And so I'm talking like it can happen in your marriage. It can happen in your um, parent relationships. Yes. It can happen with stylists that you're training that it, it, it comes in many many ways. It comes in all forms. Yes. It comes a lot of times, um, in friendships too. I see it so much where, um, and a lot of times these were more like friendships in my youth, you know, when I was younger where I would see what got me in good with the Mm -hmm. people I wanted to be in good with. And so once I learned that that got me included and that got me liked, you know, like that was the button that I kept wanting to hit. Um, until I realized that I was behaving in a way that wasn't me. And then I've built this whole like structure and friendship and identity around it. And eventually you have to either step out of that or you have to leave yourself altogether. And, you know, how many times as a young woman did I just decide to leave myself altogether to be a part of a relationship or be a part of a friendship until I got to this place where I had to choose me. And that that inevitably began the end of that relationship, the end of that friendship. Um, and it's so painful, you know, when you don't know why it's coming down. You know, you feel that victim uh, classic space where I think this whole like martyr idea comes from, from people who are enablers uh, by nature, which I feel like I am, you know, that when people don't uh, like it, when I try and put down the boundaries or when I try and grow outside of this enabling relationship, that then I can be angry with them or I can feel like I've been wrong. Like I've done so much for you, Mm -hmm. you know, like how dare you treat me this way after everything I've done for you, you know, and you have that real, or I have that real martyr mentality that helps me justify my behavior a little bit instead of really trying to look at the part that I had to play in that and decide that I want to do things differently now. So I'm not in the situation moving forward. Yeah. And now that you say that, Oh God, (laughs) I don't like saying this out loud. Say it anyway. Is that I have come to realize that, um, I can also be a huge manipulator in that space is that, um, I want to make everything easy for you so that you stick around. Um, I want to do things for you so that you appreciate me. And when people appreciate me, I'm motivated by praise. And when they praise me, I keep on being good. And like, so everything that we've been talking about in past episodes, all coming to fruition. So you do things to get that payoff. And that when people are like, yeah, I don't like this cycle anymore. You're like, but I've done so much for you. How dare you leave me? And, um, that that's manipulative behavior. Yeah. And it's really hard to look yourself in the mirror and say, whoa, you're manipulative, Jessica, that, um, it's not an easy realization and I don't love it, but but something I can work on. It's also 
the awareness mm-hmm. because who is not manipulative? We've I, all learned to manipulate one way. Or I haven't another. met that person yet. You know, like that, that is a human instinct to want love, attention, affection, validation, do something and get it and continue to do that thing. So you continue to get it, you know, like, so I feel like sometimes because we have this culture of like, oh, that's toxic. You should get out of it. You know, that manipulation becomes this word that that's something that only bad people do. But let's be clear. No, humans do it. Okay. (laughs) Like we're all in the same boat just because, um, it's in our nature to continue to hit the button and get the pellet if we're getting the reward that we want, you know, like we're all on the hamster wheel. So, but being aware that you do that is the first step to recognizing it and being like, mm, now that I'm in this situation, maybe I want to make a different choice. Maybe that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And that only comes when you're willing to look yourself in the mirror and be like, oh, that was manipulative. Okay. I did do that. And so recognizing the self-awareness and choosing to make a different choice is so much harder than pointing a finger and blaming people for why things are the way that they are. Um, and this taking that self-accountability is a big, uh, part of why we wanted to start the badass ladies club in the first place, Yeah, because you've got to be safe taking this step into, oh, look what I did with my life. Oh, look at my part and where I am right now. And that that traditionally is not something that I have felt safe doing unless I was doing it with other people around me that were like, oh yeah, I do that too. And let's talk about how I do that, you know? And then it makes the shame part of it go away um, because you can relate to other people's experiences and you realize that you're not this horrible ogre that is manipulative and taking advantage on all these different fronts, that it's just part of the process of understanding. And it's the human experience and that, um, Yeah. That part of starting the badass ladies club. I mean, we said from the beginning, we're not experts. We're not therapists. Although we are hairstylists and makeup artists and that's probably the next best thing. Um, You hear a lot. We hear a lot and people talk to us a lot, but that, um, there's so much self-awareness that comes when you start something like this. And I can't sit here and talk about feelings and boundaries and codependency and all these things without saying I'm a mess too. And that I'm just as guilty and that I'm a work in progress and that I, I probably owe a lot of people some apologies, you know, that all the time I think about that, you know, um, that maybe one day I'll be in a space to be able to own up to that. And that, um, dude, forgiveness is a whole nother episode, which we've already, it's on started the agenda. planning <laughs> that, uh, yeah. Forgiveness is a big thing. Forgiving yourself. Oh Yeah forgiving people maybe that you'll never talk to speak to, you know, like have connection with again. So, um, but we digress. (laughs) We're We're getting off on other topics now. This happens sometimes, but but, because like I said, they all do really encompass one another. They really do. But yeah, this idea of like you lying and sugarcoating things, um, to protect feelings is a codependency trait. Okay. I would say I do this every day still. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's talk about it. That trying to make things sound as comfortable as I can make them for someone. So I get the best possible reaction out of them. And I do this. I do it a lot at work. I definitely do it. Um, when I'm trying to be diplomatic about things, (laughs) when I know I'm like toting into a sensitive subject with somebody just because of my past experience with them, Um, I kind of have this knack for pulling the right way to say it out of the air to um, ease into a difficult conversation with people. Um, We've talked about this before. I'm kind of confrontational, you know, like I don't like to leave things unsaid. Um, But learning how to sugarcoat things and make them sound as good as I possibly can, even when they're maybe not good. um, I'm pro at delivering bad advice and making it or delivering bad news and making it sound I was about better. to say, you don't give bad, bad advice. Laurie. I mean, you uh, misspoke, but maybe, um, uh, relative, no, I, but, yeah. I don't think you give bad advice. I think you I give great not. advice, but that you do have a way of saying, um, 
maybe something someone doesn't want to hear. Yeah. Well, and that I will pick up the slack for them, you know, and that maybe you, maybe I shouldn't be so diplomatic. Maybe I should just tell you the way that it is and quit trying to sugarcoat it, quit trying to make it sound better. It might suck, you know, like, and so kind of like we were speaking earlier about robbing people of that experience. If I'm going to insulate so much, so you don't hear what I'm saying, then how do they have the opportunity to really grow, change, or tell me that they don't want to talk about it or, you know, like whatever the case may be. So, um, sometimes things just are what they are and the ability to be real with people, um, and not fear the reaction that comes out of the other side of it is something that codependent people like me have a really hard time with. Okay. <laughs> like I, I, I need you to be okay. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we both have that like people pleaser yes, aspect of it. It absolutely, it, it is a people pleaser thing. And I don't think it's healthy. It's almost scary how I can put myself in a situation, take the temperature of the room, mind my audience and be able to shift in whoever I need to be. And, you know, like you were, like we've said, like it's exhausting having all these personalities. And then when your head hits the pillow at night, you're like, who am I? Right. What was I doing earlier? What even was that? You know, that that wasn't me. That's not who I am. But here I am this like chameleon Yeah. and I can shift into whatever that situation calls for. And we've talked in the past about how that can serve you well sometimes, but that whenever I think about it, it's almost scary that I have no problem doing it. I can do it in a heartbeat because I've been conditioned to do it my entire life. And I've always thought it's because I was a theater major. (laughs) I mean, that probably helps. I can, you know, act whatever way I want to on a dime, you know, but, um, knowing that other people do it who don't have a theater background. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so that's a human thing, not a theater thing. Well, and it it is a human thing. Yeah. I also think it's interesting because, you know, we talk about like walking into a room and deciding like, how's this person doing? Are they not okay? How am I going to shift my behavior to help them be okay? And that how exhausting that becomes after a while. Yeah. Well, the really interesting thing about that, I think, is that you never asked yourself like, how do I feel about right. this? How do I feel about or this situation? Or what do I want to do in this particular situation? All of your behaviors and all of my behaviors are based on this idea of if I behave this way, it'll make it easier for this person. And then there's usually several people you're doing that with at any given time. And then you get through a week of your life where you've been who you needed to be for all these people so they could be comfortable and safe and happy and do whatever it is that they needed to do. And then you have nothing left. And you, and I get really resentful where I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so tired and I'm so depleted. And I feel like nobody is looking out for what I need all of a sudden, especially because I'm not looking out for what I need because I'm way too concerned about the reactions of all of this other situation. And so when you do start to separate yourself from the, I need to take the temperature of the room and I need to make sure that everybody's okay. And you just redirect it in how do I feel? What do I need to be okay? And you start doing that. It feels really amazing. First of all. Okay. Yes. Um, it is so much less weight on your shoulders. Like you take the backpack off. Like we were talking about, no, this is your backpack. I'm gonna let you carry it now. Um, that that's a really hard space to get into because obviously if you're enabling somebody, like you said, at the root, it's because you love and care about them. You know, like you don't right. enable people that you don't care about. And so to take off the backpack and be like, okay, I'm gonna hold on to my stuff and now I'm gonna give you your stuff. Um, that feels like a big responsibility that I let go of a lot of times. And that is totally the scariest part of me with this whole codependency conversation is me trying to separate what's yours and what's mine. Yeah. And I'm totally cool working on my stuff, but I can't help people with their stuff as much as my ego would like to tell me I can, you know, like that I, uh, the need for me to want to help people. Like I love this podcast so much because I feel like by doing my own work, it will help other people do their work as well, or give them permission to see 
vulnerability or struggle or just, you know, people being real about who they are and that that is way more empowering than enabling. Um, and then I don't have to get in front of the gun and take the bullet, you know, like then I can just focus on what I need to do. And that is a process for a people pleaser kind of mentality for me. Yeah. You know, this whole bullshit that, especially as women, that we have to carry all these emotions. And, you know, I think that that also comes from like this old school, like family dynamic, ideology Mm -hmm. is that, um, women have to make sure that dinner's on the table and that the house is clean Mm -hmm. and that the husband gets to relax and that the kids are in their bed by 7 30 PM and that everyone is happy. And that like, at the end of the day, women are like, I have nothing Nothing left and that I'm done with that. Yeah. I'm done with that. And I want my girlfriends to know that you can be done with that, that, well, I will say this, that it's, if that's your gig, more power to you, sister, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. There's nothing wrong with, if that's what you want to do. Yes, absolutely. So I want to be clear. Yeah. If that's not telling you to not to do those things. What I'm telling you is that you shouldn't feel obligated to do those things because that is what is expected of you. I talk to so many women on the daily who just say, I have nothing left. And that it's all inspired by codependency. Yes. That they're living up to this idea a lot of times that you got to do it all. And this is something, you know, we've talked in previous episodes about like maternal instincts and momming or not momming and that whole idea that you, especially women with children, that they would do anything to protect their children. You know, like obviously that is a maternal instinct that hits on so many levels, you know, and I feel like that about my niece, you know, I feel like that about so many little people, like I would get in front of the gun and take the bullet for all of those little ones, but that you have to put your own mask on first. Mm -hmm. You can't protect or serve or help or be there for anybody if you're not breathing. And that women so oftentimes are like, if I have to draw my last breath to do this for fill in the blank, we are totally willing to do that. And that is the toxic culture of, you know, I, I hear it so rarely where women are like, no, I, I love my kids but I'm putting my own self-preservation first for my kids or I'm putting my relationship with my husband first for my kids, you know, like Mm -hmm. that you slitting your own throat and bleeding out for everybody doesn't help anybody, you know, like if you can look out and take care of yourself first, then that teaches all of those people in your life how to take care of themselves first. So many things to say about this. Say it. So I... Am in the middle of listening to Untamed, <laughs> which I'm still working on. Um, I wish I was through it because I'm addicted to it. You'll it's listen so to wonderful. it over and over. When I was listening to her this morning, um, she was talking about her daughter, Tish. Tish. And how that her daughter taught her that it's not my job to keep you safe. That bad things are going to happen Yes, and that you have nothing to be afraid of because you are fireproof Mm -hmm. that I'm not doing you any favors by saving you from the fire. Mm -hmm. I can be right next to you. I can support you. I can be there in every way possible, but I cannot do the work for you. And I thought it was so timely with knowing that we were going to be talking about this today, that Glennon Doyle was just speaking to my soul Mm -hmm. because, you know, Adelaide is four. And I've talked to you recently about how Adelaide is now in this, um, she's in this phase where if she doesn't like it, when I discipline her, she's the first to say, you're a mean mommy. You're not being my friend. You're mad at me. It breaks my heart. I hate it. But that I've been explaining to Adelaide that, you know what? I am your mother. I am not your friend. 
and you guys are probably judging me because that sounds harsh for a four-year-old, but my kid is quick. Okay. Like she, she emulates that too smart for your own good idea, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And that I've been telling her forever. It is my job to keep you safe. It is my job. And then I listened to Glennon Doyle this morning on untamed. And I was like, ouch that I, I feel like I have been mindfully putting boundaries up with Adelaide because I want her to be a strong woman when she grows up, which for the record, I don't think she's going to have any problem she there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just earlier this week, she told me she didn't appreciate my attitude. That's a whole other story, but I mean, where's the alcohol? Yeah. Try, try your four-year-old telling you that she doesn't appreciate your attitude. It was so funny, but she, her mother's daughter, she but... is her mother's daughter for sure. Um, but that, I, you know, that fires are going to happen. Yeah but you're fireproof girl. You've got this. And that everything you need is within you. It is not within other people. Mm -hmm. And I want to be careful with how I say that. And I think that we may talk about this in a future episode that ultra independence can be a trauma response because you and I saw that on rising woman and yes. we were like, Oh my God. Cause we have this ultra independent. I, I am like, an yeah. ultra independent woman, mm -hmm. which I'm not saying is the healthiest. There's balance. It's that not the worst either, happen, like, but it's not the worst. Right. And, um, that yes, after listening to Glennon this morning, I was like, you know what? I really need to shift my narrative around how I am teaching Adelaide that like, that I'm going to keep you safe, that nothing can get to you. And I'm always going to be there. And none of that is true. I can't always be there to protect her. Right. And that that is a codependent mindset that, well, if Adelaide's okay, then I'm okay. That sometimes yeah. she's not going to be okay. She's going to get heartbroken. Mm -hmm. She's going to, I don't know, maybe be bullied, maybe, you know, and that I will be there as a support, but that I cannot fix it. Well, and you don't have to because she can. Exactly. You know, like that. And I think that that's the big part of, for my own journey with why I try and enable people sometimes is that I do maybe have a, like an inferiority complex a little bit where I'm like, they can't do it because, and if it's Adelaide, for instance, because she's four. Yeah. Or they can't do it because they don't have the experience or they can't do it because they're not strong enough or whatever I tell myself, you know, that makes me want to interject and get in the middle of that. Um, and they can. And they may not do it the way I would do it, which is, again, an ego conversation that I have to have. Um, or they may do it completely differently. It may have a bad result in my estimation, you know, but that all of those things are what make people get better, you know, and what make them grow. And I had to do that stuff, too, you know. Um, I think so much about like when I was growing up and how different things are for kids now than when I grew up in the eighties. But I definitely came out of that time where, you know, you went outside and played after school and you came back when the streetlights came on because it was time to eat dinner, you know, and that we would go out and ride our bikes or we would walk over to the Seven Eleven and we would buy candy or we would do, you know, like I had a lot of freedom as a relatively young kid to go out and experience life and have social interactions with people and get myself into like tricky situations and get out of it. Um, where in today's world, I feel like kids are less exposed to those opportunities to go out and have your own adventures and maybe get yourself, uh, in a bind and get yourself out of it. Um, because parents are there to help guard that experience. Um, and I notice a difference in, the young adults that they become, you know, um, the business that we're in, I've been in it for 20 years. And when I started in it, I was, you know, you were one of those 21 years old, you know? And so I can see with the 21 year olds that we work with today in retrospect, um, they're so capable, so capable, probably way more capable than I was <laughs> at that age. Um, yeah. but I feel like so few of them have had the opportunity to show themselves how capable they are, you know, and 
when I watch uh, younger generations of people start to step out and take some responsibility for their lives and um, go after the things that they really want, it's just really inspiring. Um, and I recognize so much that uh, enabling people keeps them from taking those big steps. So yeah. um, that doing your own work is important. So allow people that space yeah. that that doesn't mean that you're not caring. It doesn't mean that you're not loving. It doesn't mean, I I think that in speaking from a woman perspective, I would love to have a man's perspective on this, that like when you make people do their own work that I think as women, we feel like, Oh, but that nurturer in me is telling me I have to do it for them. And that no people doing their own work is a part of the human experience and it has to happen. Yeah. And that there's nothing wrong with that. And falling down and skinning your knee ain't the worst thing that's going to happen to you, you know, like that. And just watching um, the way that things in my own life have unfolded, you know, or any time where I really um, was going through something that was really hard, even as a grown up, I think about how my, how hard it must be for my parents to like watch me struggle or watch me make a really tricky decision and be scared that I might not, you know, like that might not work the way they want it to. And Mm -hmm. that that is just the natural progress of letting people learn to fly, you know, that birds get pushed out of the nest eventually. Yeah. And, um, it's exhausting not to be free. Yeah. I mean, just stepping out of this identity of, I don't have to be the people pleaser and that I could just do what Laurie felt like was a good idea and not worry so much about like how that's going to be received on all ends. Um, I didn't realize how freeing that would be until I started doing it more. And then I can pay attention to how exhausting it was to be so concerned about everybody else's comfort level uh, without getting to consider where mine's at and all of that. So, yeah. Well, because when we're constantly you know, we're talking about how when we enable people, we're robbing them of an experience to grow. But when you're constantly editing yourself mm-hmm. and being that chameleon and changing, you know, the way you're behaving or looking or feeling is that you're also robbing people of the experience to know the free you, yeah, the true Laurie Wallace, right. the true Jessica Weckerlin. And, um, that I often wonder how many people know the real me. I mean, I know that there are very limited people in my life that know the real me. Um, and I don't want it to be that way. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think, uh, and to be perfectly honest, like even trying to figure out on my own who the real me is. Cause you say, you know, like after you've lived in this space of, being a different person for what everybody needs you to do. And then you get home at night and your head hits the pillow and you're like, okay, so who am I really? I'll tell you when that kind of stuff started to land really heavy on me. When? Was when I, you know, my husband and I have been together for a really long time, you know? Um, and when I started to let my guard down with him, I mean, we were deep into our relationship. I want to say like we had been together for eight, nine, you know, like close to 10 years before I realized that I could just be relaxed and that that version of me without having to like edit myself or worry about what came out of my mouth or worry about like how I looked or do I need to position my body differently, you know? So this is what way or like that I was so self-conscious of all of these things that he really loved just who I am. And I did not believe that even though he might tell me that he might show me that, you know, like I might have several examples of that. Like when it really clicked that I could just be Laurie and that that was his ideal, man, it gave me so much confidence that I was almost ashamed of at a certain point. Cause I was like, why couldn't I be that confident without his outside validation? You're on like, that, you I've know? been killing myself for yeah, 10 years for all this time. <laughs> and that really to just be who you are and to be totally accepted and loved for that. And then that was also like a time in our relationship where my career was really taking off in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of guilt about, I don't want to shine too bright. I don't want to be too successful. You know, um, what if that version of Laurie, cause I didn't know where my career was really going, you know, and I didn't know if all this stuff was going to work out, but it was very exciting and intoxicating. And so I didn't want him to, uh, be resentful 
towards me for being successful. I can 100% relate to that. Yeah. Because I'm so driven by money. Yes. I'll just say it. I like money. I like money. Um, and that it's not that I've been afraid of success, but I've been afraid of what success means for my relationship. Yes. And that if I'm too big, they will feel small. Yes. And it's so interesting because then they're like, what are you even talking about? Well, and that was totally the case. Why, like, why, why wouldn't I want you to be the most amazing, best, yes, successful hairstylist there ever was? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I remember when Aubrey like laid it out for me when I finally like let that off my chest where I was like, I'm so excited about where things are going. But I guess the other part was like, I wasn't just getting on a plane and coming home. Like I was going out, I was going to New York. I was drinking at fancy bars. I was going to after parties. Like it was kind of a glamorous, you know, like set for a little while. And that Aubrey told me when I was revealing how concerned I was about this part of our relationship, that that's the part of you. Like, I love that part of you where you're ambitious and excited and that you go after what you want. And so if you stop doing that, because you're trying to protect me, then you're becoming not the person I fell in love with, you know, like, and so it was the thing that I was so worried that he was going to not love about me. That was really one of the big reasons that he loved me. And man, that really changed things in our relationship where now when I go after things that I really trust myself with, um, I know that there's that unlimited support there, you know, where even though, and he will be the first to tell you, especially with Badass Ladies Club, you know, like we'll get excited about an episode, we'll brain it out, we'll write it down, we'll get it all done. And I'll try and tell him about it. He's like, cool. And I'm like, well, do you like it? And That's he was all like, you have to yeah. say. And he's like, I don't understand it, but I totally trust that you guys <laughs> got it and that it's amazing and it's going to change people's lives. You know, like I can and, totally hear Aubrey say that in my head. Like, yeah. Cool. So he doesn't need to like, and it's kind of like he doesn't know anything about putting on eyeliner or lip gloss, you know, like he doesn't get makeup either, but he's like, that's great. You know, like you go do that. Um, so yeah, having that, um, space where I didn't have to be so codependent in our relationship because he gave me permission to just do what I do and be who I am and trust the fact that whoever that is, that's okay with him. Yeah. Um, man, that is powerful. It's the most freeing. And, you know, I've had a conversation like that very recently in my life where, you know, I'm trying to grow and to be who I felt like this universe designed me to be. And, you know, when I sit down with people and I say, look, this is where I'm headed. This is what I want to do. And I'm not looking for your permission. I'm not looking for your validation, but I would just really love your support. And that sure. There's been people who've been like, are you sure you can take on this many extra hours? And, and I know that they're doing that out of love because obviously, um, they don't want me to drown in any way but that people have been so surprisingly on board and supportive and that they're like, do it sister. Get it. And it's just, it's, it's a really, um, I'm so grateful. It's so funny how we tell ourselves stories and it's not until we like pull those stories out into the open that we were, I'm like, Oh, that was just my stuff. Like you don't feel that (laughs) way. Oh, that that was all literally just in my head, you know? Um, but that I've also, along with those conversations that I've been having lately, I have been saying, listen, I am done. I am done making myself smaller to make others feel bigger. Mm -hmm. I am done, you know, setting myself on fire to make people warm. I am, I'm just, I'm so over it. I'm so done. It's emotionally, physically, mentally exhausting. And that, I, I just, I want to help people and empower people. And I feel like the only way to do that is to be absolutely free. And like we were saying earlier, look myself in the mirror and say, this is, I'm reaping what I'm sowing. Yeah. I'm going to wear my own backpack and I'm going to look at my own shit. Yeah. And that I don't really have the emotional capacity or I am not in a mental space to be doing that for other people right now. Right. 
is that I'm going to be as Jessica as Jessica can be. I'm going to make sure my child has a roof over her head and that she eats (laughs) and that I get her to where she needs to be. And that if people love me, they're going to stick around. The right people hang out when you do what makes you happy. One of my favorite things you ever say. It's something I'm really, really connected to right now. Maybe so much because so few times until the last couple of years did I ask myself, okay, so what makes you really happy? Because before that, I would have said, it makes me happy to take care of this person or to take care of that person or to take care of this. And that, and like achieving things made me happy. But if I got down to like what I really wanted that made me happy, oftentimes I would quickly dismiss that. Like, well, but that's not even possible. (laughs) You know, like this would be really cool if I could do this, but that's not even possible because I have all of these other people that need me. And we have mentioned her a couple of times, um, over episodes, but, uh, Rebecca Red Fox, who is, uh, one of my great mentors in life and a really amazing healer and teacher. Um, so excited to one day have her, she'll on. be on the show. Like yes. it's happening, but I was having a really hard time in my life setting boundaries. It was mainly with friends that, um, and people that I really closely loved in my circle. And I, was talking about all the things that I needed to do to take care of myself that I didn't have time for, you know, and Rebecca is also a massage therapist. She's amazing. And so she was working on me and we were doing body work at the time. And, uh, she was like, well, why do you need to do all those things for all of these other people? And I was like, well, because they need me, you know, like they have all of, and so I started going through all the things that all of these other people in my world were going through, you know, like so-and-so is going through this. So they really need me for that. And this person's going through this and they really need me for that. And I need to be there for all of these people. Oh my God, I'm going to cry a little bit. She was like, Laurie, you need you. Mm-hmm. Like God, Red Fox, oh, so wise. Like nobody needs you, you need more you. than you need you. And I was like, I need me. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I've never heard this before. And I used to tell this joke that like I needed a wife because I need somebody <laughs> to like do Amen. my laundry and my dishes and you know like clean my kitchen. Like why couldn't I just hire a wife to come in and do the wife things in my house? I could, I guess. Um, but yeah. that idea Ooh. that I need me and that I am capable of doing all of those things for me because I'm doing them for other people already, you know, and that if I could just let them do them, then I would have the space to be there for me. And that was transformational. Well, and that when you get to this point of, I need me, you need you. I feel like people are afraid of that. (laughs) I was terrified of it. And that women who do that then get this reputation of being dangerous to society. I can speak to that. Like, that, um, that you're not good for you're selfish. Yeah. Right. Totally. That you're selfish and how dare she and dangerous. And listen, I want to put it out there. I'm not saying that having a servant's heart is a bad thing. I feel like I have a servant's heart. Absolutely. I do people's hair every day, you know, yes. that I love being in service to yes. other people with a few boundaries that I did not have early on in my career that I'm getting better at as I grow that just recently I was like, no, you know what? I'm done doing people's hair who are emotionally abusive, Mm -hmm. who question my education, my integrity, my ability, your price point, my price point. I'm not doing it anymore that I'm at this point in my career where I can work with only people I want to work with. And that I don't care, you know, if that means less money, which is weird because I love money. Right. But that I need my sanity more than I need that paycheck. Absolutely. And that it's okay. I'm like, let it burn. And that it doesn't mean less money. When you create that that boundary in your life, then you attract the people who want to have that kind of relationship or have that kind of transaction with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we teach people how to teach, treat us. Mm-hmm. And the whole conversation of a codependent relationship really outlines that, you know, because I don't want people to treat me based on what I do for them. 
you know, like that's not a transactional relationship that I want to have with people in my world. Um, so yeah, having that identity that women who don't require that validation from the outside, um, I did always look at them as like the bad women, the dangerous women, you know, like they were going to crumble the fabric of marriage, of families, of religion, of, you know, like that women who push back and say, no, that's not who I am. And I trust who I am and I'm going to take actions based on who I am. Um, that is something that I'm starting to recognize rise up in myself. Mm-hmm. And I am feeling the pushback on that from lots of different areas in my world. I guess the only thing that's reassuring to me about that is when I do um, seek resources of other women that have been in this situation, they all have very similar stories to what I'm experiencing yeah, right now. And um, every one of them says the same thing. You can take it. Like, yes, it's scary. And yes, you have been conditioned to stop when you feel that pressure and to question yourself and be like, wait, maybe this isn't, you know, like the direction I should be going. Um, but you're moving in the right way. If your instinct tells you that that's where you go and that all that pressure that you're getting that never had anything to do with you anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's their own experience and it's okay, you know, and you can recognize it and you can honor the way that they feel but that doesn't mean that you have to change the direction that you're headed. And so that is reassuring. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't want to be the, having that um, label, you know, of being the dangerous uh, person that is doing things that they should, or talking about things they shouldn't be talking about or in, empowering other people to have these difficult conversations and to set their own boundaries and to take care of themselves first. Like I didn't realize that was so controversial, um, but I'm learning that it is and that creating space for other people to do that is um, I'm okay with the danger all of a sudden, you know, like (laughs) it's starting on the danger, the more animosity I get for it, the more I'm like, okay, cool. Clearly I'm on the right path here, you know? (laughs) And so, um, kind of charging into that, knowing that it's only going to have good, uh, effects for me and for the other people that are choosing to follow that path is good. Yeah. And, you know, before we wrap things up, I, I really want to touch on how I am very codependent that yes, I, I have experienced what we've talked about so far where I need everyone else to be happy so I can be happy. I I do this, I do that. But one way that I am extremely codependent in a really unhealthy way is seeking validation outside myself and not trusting my instincts and knowing what's right for me. And it didn't start happening till probably around this year that I realized I hit a rock bottom where I'm trying to make important life decisions and I find myself asking other people, what do I do? Yeah. And let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with having a Laurie Wallace in your life that you're venting to. I know that for anything I'm going through, I've got people on my list. I've got Laurie. I've got my mom. I've got Jackie, I've got Robert, Mickey, Nikki. I got go all day. Yeah. I could go all day about the amazing, wonderful people in my life who I know will hear me out, but that none of you can make a decision for me. And that Glennon Doyle, my queen, Jesus, like so many things she knows, man. If I, if we ever get a chance to talk to her, I'm manifesting this right now. I need her in my life. No, I'm putting it out and there. That we're putting it out there. Glennon Doyle, <laughs> we need you on the Badass yes, Ladies Club. Okay. Um, yes. But her saying, stop asking people for directions to places they've never been. None and that, yes, know. that your friends and your peers can say, I understand. I totally know where you're coming from. I've been in a similar situation, but the truth is they've never been you mm-hmm. and they've never, that it's physically impossible for them to step inside your body and to experience the things that you're experiencing. And that that's going to come with disappointing people Yeah, is that, you know, once I took a step back, like I said, I just started learning this this year is that Every major life decision I've been trying to make is that I never once asked myself, well, Jessica, what do you want? 
Jessica, how do you feel about that? Is that I'm always like, Laurie, what do I do? (laughs) And that, you know, you've been talking this episode about how you like confrontation and being that person. I have seen a shift in you very recently where I feel like I used to go to you for things and you'd have all the answers and you'd say, well, this is what you need to do. And you know, and you would go off and I'd be like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to do those things until very recently you started asking me, well, what do you think? And I was like, I'm sorry, what, (laughs) what, what do you mean? You don't have an answer for me. And that you've been very supportive in this idea of, you know, what's good for you. And I'm going to trust that, you know, what's good for you as your best friend. This is what I'm seeing. And this is what I would love for you. And from the outside looking in, these are my observations, but Jessica, at the end of the day, I'm, you're on your own with this one. And I was like, shit, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I, uh, but that I've needed to hear that. Yeah. And so I'm like, why, why don't I trust myself? And that I I could probably unpack that, but that's a whole other episode, episode. but that, um, it's, it's been a really interesting thing to morph. You know, it's, I'm first of all, really glad that you said that because I have, and I feel like this has definitely been something this year, especially that I've really tried to look at is, um, I did not realize how much I needed to be right (laughs) all the time until this year. I've, I've done lots of, uh, new things. I've learned lots of new things and I'm trying on lots of new things. And what you realize when you start to do things that are outside of your comfort zone is that sometimes you're wrong. And, um, that offering advice or soliciting, you know, like advice with people. Um, if I'm really going to trust myself and I'm always going to like put my needs first and I'm going to decide that, before I take the pulse of all the people around me to see what I should do, the first thing I need to do is really decide what I need out of that situation that I don't do anybody any good if I'm just going to try and answer their troubles for them, you know, and that if there's one thing I know about you, it's that I implicitly trust you to make your own decisions about what you need. And that if you take all of those other needs out of the way and you just focus on what you need first, I know you're going to make the right decision because I trust your instincts like that. And that there's really no better support that you can give to somebody besides reinforcing the idea that whatever decision they make is going to be the right one for them at that time, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, um, I hadn't really consciously put that on until you said that, um, today. So there's definitely that, but I also on a broader scale, you know, like asking for reassurance that you're on the right track or reaching out to people, you know, when you're struggling or needing to vent, like a lot of times I already know how I feel about it, but it's the process of talking about it that helps me get there. And I think that's one thing that you and I as friends have just gotten really good at over the last several years. I just need to say this out loud. Yes. Yes. And to say it to somebody who I know isn't going to judge it because maybe I don't feel that way. Maybe I just need to say it to recognize that, nope, that's not it. You know, like I don't feel that way. That's the story I've been telling myself in my head, you know? And so to just be able to get it out and put it out there and then reevaluate all of those things is, um, a big foundation in this self-healing journey that we're on right now. Um, and so, yeah, teaching each other to break these codependent cycles and habits, um, that we've got in so many places in our world, but also with each other a little bit, you know, like when you've worked with people and been in people's lives for so long, you know, you start to recognize it everywhere. Um, so yeah, that, uh, all of these things were, uh, walking that messy path too. And it is sticky and it definitely feels gross. And, um, you're sometimes like equally disappointed and inspired with the process, but on the other side of it, like you said, it is, freeing and liberating in a way that I just cannot explain. And I did not realize how tired and how exhausted I was with the codependent backpack of carrying other people's stuff that didn't belong to me until I took it off. Um, so yeah, here's to yeah taking it off. And, um, I feel like we kind of have COVID to thank for that. Absolutely. 
when the world when the world stopped, it was like, oh, I only have my own shit. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are. I don't get to go to every day and deal <laughs> right. with everybody else's drama. Um, okay, so we did it. We did it. We, we did the codependency. About codependency. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I feel a lot better. Um, <laughs> so definitely uh, let us know where your head's at with codependency. Um, do you recognize some of those behaviors in your own world? Are you uh, working through it, around it? The only way out's through, y'all. You can't it get sucks, out. but it's true. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys uh, next episode when we get into the next uh, dark corner of our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.